Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Welcome in everyone to the full 10 yards NFL podcast week 10 in the NFL season done and dusted and they say the season starts at Thanksgiving well we'll be glad to know then boys the season's only a week away from actually officially getting underway so uh, let's wrap up week 10 though and for the first time in what feels like forever it's the regular three-man rotation so let's welcome the boys in Steve you've been pretty consistent with your appearances though but uh, how are you my friend? Oh, this is what it feels like to lose a game in the NFL. I've forgotten about this, and I've forgotten about what it feels like. But here we are. It's bound to happen at some point, and it had to happen against the Washington bloody commanders. But here we are. Yeah, we know all about losing football games, though, and it's a perfect, perfect cue to bring our regular buddy back in. Josh, after a few weeks away, welcome back, mate. How are you? Thank you very much. Yeah, it feels great to actually be back in and talking about games other than the Browns. Um, be able to talk about people who have actually won games. Neither of us, free, but it'll be nice to talk about some people that have won. But uh, yeah, just great to be back with you, boys. Apologies for the uh, rather prolonged absence, but I'm uh, I'm back in the chair and I'm ready to go. No apology required at all, my friend. No apology at all. Let's whiz through a few games. Then we are now at the stage of the season where we can actually just start whizzing through some of these because a lot of these teams now we can start to start putting a fork in the mouth, as the phrase would go. We probably can't yet quite put a fork in the two from Thursday night football, Atlanta and Carolina. Um, but Carolina coming out the surprise winners in this one, I think, for most people, 25 to 15. Um, I think most people had the Falcons, certainly in one of the Pickens leagues I'm in. I looked in the morning after, I think there was only one person out of the whole league who actually picked <laughs> the Carolina Panthers. Um, but um, a bit of a bounce-back game for them. PJ Walker, however, out with an injury in this one. So Baker Mayfield will be coming back. It obviously just seems like a real up-and-down year for the Panthers. Um, and obviously they'll be looking for a new permanent head coach. I very much doubt that Steve Wilkes' his name will be in the frame, and the Falcons continue to be madding, maddeningly inconsistent. That's a bit of a mouthful. Um, two other teams that are inconsistent, Detroit and Chicago. Entertaining game, though. 31-30, the Lions take down the Bears. Both teams now improving to three wins in the NFC North. The Lions have been fun all year, haven't they, fellas? And this continued the trend, really. Scored plenty of points, conceded plenty of points. It seems as though Justin Fields has settled into what he is. We laughed and joked for the first few weeks of the season, but the Bears seemingly have unleashed his ground game potential. He rushed for, what, 170-odd last week, 147 in this one, Steve. And again, you know, he looks a real dual threat all of a sudden. Two more touchdowns on the ground, two through the air. There are some signs of life eventually for the Chicago Bears offense. Um, but like I said, the Lions on the day have been pretty good. Another 10 reception day for Amon Ross and Brown. Um, you just think how good he might be, you know, with some better quarterback play as well. Yeah, really good day for Justin Fields. Like you said, that, that long 67-yard touchdown run was fantastic. Um, his ability to just accelerate through into the secondary and, 
hit once he finds the gap, he hits it. And and he's, this is a side of fields that we haven't really seen too much of up until now. And I think it's it, I think it's time that we start having the conversation that Fields might be the best quarterback out of that draft class because Lawrence is not playing up to much scratch. And I think Fields is certainly making a case for himself that you know, put, this is the obviously the thing with Fields is it always comes with the caveat. This is the Bears, like this is the Bears, and they're just a bit rubbish. But you know, Fields is making he's, he's he's had three consistently pretty good games in a row now, which is more than he's ever in his career. Um, and I think you know that they they're, they're going to have some picks to to load up in this draft coming up. So hopefully, I, I was a bit concerned when they went with Everflues because defensive minded head coach head coach with young quarterback doesn't always reap rewards, but. It looks like they're finally starting to, to let him play and let him throw the ball a bit. And it's almost a bit of like a, you know, the whole let Russ cook thing. It's almost a bit like that with Fields, like let him let him do what he's good at and, you know, reaping rewards. I know they didn't win the game, but, you know, if you put up 30 points, you, you can't really mourn that. Um, and with Detroit, I always thought that they were better than the record. Um, they would be losing really close games every week. And I've always thought they were better than that. That was two and six, now three and six record. But, you know, they... Um, it looks like they're going to try and mount a bit of a comeback. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many games Dan Campbell needs to actually get on the board because we have talked to him as much as he obviously drew a lot of plaudits. He's very much a results business, so a few more W's will do him no harm whatsoever. We threw a couple more. Pittsburgh 20, New Orleans 10. Um, really, really poor day at the office for New Orleans, just 10 total points. Um, they continue to persevere with Andy Dalton, which just seems... A really, really puzzling decision. I talked about this a little bit last week. Um, and I mean, Steve had a little bit of a debate in terms of, you know, Jameis and Andy Dalton. You know what you get with both of them. I just think at least Jameis is a bit more fun to watch. Um, another typical Andy Dalton type of stat line. For the Steelers, Najee Harris actually sort of looking relatively decent. And this one averaging sort of five yards a carry. Um, not an awful lot coming through the air. Kenny Pickett just under 200 yards, um, you know, but the Steelers find a way to get another win on the board. The Saints continue to be one of the season's disappointments. And the final game, and I'll bring you in on this one, Josh, because it caused quite a bit of a stir last week and we again did cover it off. Uh, but a winning coaching debut for Jeff Saturday. <laughs> 25, the Las Vegas Raiders, 20. Um, the Raiders have surely got to be in contention for most disappointing team in the NFL this year. And there are a number of contenders that probably fit that bill. But the Raiders certainly are very much right up there. Um, Matt Ryan back behind centre. So the Sam Ellinger, he's our quarterback for the rest of the season. Line from a couple of weeks ago, forgotten about. Um, and like I say, all of a sudden, the Colts have a win on the board, man. Well, this is what happens when you actually allow Jonathan Taylor to do something. This uh, this running back that sort of took the league by storm last year and seemingly kept in a box because of either terrible strategy, scheme, and line play, um, the plays themselves, all the rest of it. It takes just Saturday to almost just get rid of all the extra faff and just say, just put it into his hands. I'm pretty sure it's going to end up okay. And lo and behold, 22 carries, 147 yards at 6.7 a carry. 
yeah, the Colts have an identity. It's called give Jonathan Taylor the goddamn ball and get people out of his goddamn way. It doesn't matter who's under center. It helps that Matt Ryan's the one under center because, you know, his stat line, 21 off 28 for 2-2-2, you know, it's not something that's going to bowl people over, but it's probably going to, you know, keep people on their toes more than Sam Erlinger. And that proved to be the case. Like you say, though, the Raiders have been the surprise package in just how poor they've been um, on both sides of the ball. You know, Derek Carr, where where has he gone this season? And seemingly it's just starting a regression. The only player that seemed to have done himself any justice whatsoever on Sunday was Devontae Adams, who's been invisible for half the year. Um, with a 126 off nine receptions line. But apart from that, not even Derek Carr can, can wrap himself around in any sort of personal glory. Um, long way back for the Raiders, still a fair way back for the Colts. But if, if Jeff Saturday is planning on pinning his resume to Jonathan Taylor, you know, all the better to him because that's the Colts' identity right there. No, agreed. Um, in terms of pinning resume, Steve... Is Josh McDaniels going to be the Patriots' offensive coordinator next year? <laughs> back to back to the homeland, back to the <laughs> back to the warm bosom of Bill Belichick is probably where he will end up. Oh um, God, what a picture! Well, it seems to be where McDaniels likes to be because I, when they hired him, I was a bit sort of shocked because it, you know he he was a he was a coach. He was at the Texans about about sort of twelve years ago when he when he tried out to be a head coach previously. Uh, Broncos, sorry, Broncos, back in 2009-2010. Um, and it just didn't really work. It is, It was a bit of a sort of a shambles that season. And then he went back to, he went to the Rams first, then back to the Patriots. And now he's, he was hired again. And it's just it's just not working at 2-7. and seven. Right now, if the season would end today, they'd have the second pick in the league, which shows you how, but they're in amongst the basement dwellers like Houston, like Carolina, like Jacksonville, Chicago. You know, they're in amongst those teams. Um, and it just I just don't know what, what their identity is. I know they've got a couple of players on, on IR, which doesn't help. But, you know, you've got Carr and Adams, this this chemistry that everyone was raving about from their college days that was going to light up and make this AFC West a big competition. And it's just not happened at all. Them and Denver have just have just failed completely. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what the, the future holds. It looks like um, the owner has backed him. Um and said that Rome wasn't built in a day. And I thought that was quite an interesting thing for Mark Davis to say, because, you know, Josh McDonald's is not really trying to build Rome, is he? He's just trying to, at this point, he can't even win football games. So what are you trying to say there? So, yeah, it's interesting if they give him time, because it just looks like it's the wrong hire. It just all it looks like, and I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, I agree. And like you say, the, the, the thing is, when you say about, you know, not building Rome in the day in, in terms of the quote that's been given there, you know, let's not forget, this is a Raiders team that made the playoffs last year. They were 10-7 and 7 last year. The idea of adding Devontae Adams, the idea of adding that offensive mind and supposed, you know, real, real top offensive mind in Josh McDaniels was to get them over the hump, to get them to take the next step. Um, you know, big game in terms of the Broncos coming up because, like you say, both of them have been disappointing. But you look at the schedule after that, you know, at Seattle, at um, Los Angeles Rams, they've got games against the 49ers and the Chiefs and the Chargers. You know, it's not getting any easier. Um, and you can certainly see them being very much in contention, like you say, 
for an extremely high draft pick. Um, and, you know, that will be very interesting if we get to the uh, the draft season and the Raiders are picking in the top three um, because there's a lot of talk about Derek Carr, whether he's one of these sort of, you know, quarterbacks that isn't necessarily in the bottom tier of quarterbacks, but he's certainly probably not in the elite tier. He's, he's one of those that almost leaves you in this position of never being able to actually get a, a really good replacement. Um, the Raiders might find themselves in a position to do just that, depending on where the next few weeks go. Um, but yeah, certainly for the um, the Colts, after all of the noise in the week, they would have really been chuffed to come out on the right side of that scoreboard. In terms of another quarterback that, Josh, good to have you back for this next one, because this is a quarterback that you love. Kyler Murray wasn't playing on Sunday. The Arizona Cardinals looked like a functional offence. Colt McCoy... Good old Colt McCoy. Just every time he seems to get on the field, they, they did, you know, and I'm not just saying this just to sort of, you know, prove your point or, or, or anything like that, but they genuinely just look a more rounded, complete team. Um, obviously, in terms of this one, the Rams were playing their backup quarterback as well um, with Matthew Stafford out. So John Wolford played and the Rams issues continue. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to believe, isn't it, that just, what, eight months ago they were lifting the Lombardi Trophy, because, you know, that this has got to be one of the most disappointing defences of that, I would suggest. Um, and losing Cooper Cup in this game, you know, he's going to be on IR, going to miss at least the next four weeks. You know, the Rams aren't recovering to get back to the postseason from where they are currently, are they? So both of these teams' questions to, to answer. But just in terms of the Cardinals, mate, you've given this massive contract to Kyler Murray, and every time Colt McCoy plays, like I say, he seems to me to do a reasonable job. I know it's strange if you actually build your QB play on passing, it turns out that you move the ball down the field. I mean, that's a that just something of which the Arizona Cardinals don't seem to get. But every time Colt McCoy does just that, it happens. You know, if you look at the stats, even so, um, Colt McCoy 26 off 37 for 238, that's one thing. But DeAndre Hopkins getting 10 receptions for 98 yards. Rondale Moore, nine receptions for 94 yards. You know, just having a slimmed down passing game, you know, you throw in the James Connor runs into a brick wall um, to be what they are. But if you take away the constant moving around from side to side and actually instead focus on what your talents are, of which when you got DeAndre Hopkins on the field, you throw him the damn ball. You actually get yourself into good positions. Um, yeah, it's it's perplexing if you're a Cardinals fan because you are locked into this scheme, um, if you want to call it that, where you have to depend on Kyler Murray's ability to scramble because that that is you know that is his mo. He looks for the best thing down the field, but only after he's looked left and right, um, and it's. You know, you look at this and you just think it's so simple. Just give an average quarterback more weapons. You seem to have players that can, you know, elevate themselves and all the rest of it in in like non-star positions across the field. And that should be about it. Um, you know, this Rams team, as you say, was by nowhere near complete, but this is a team that they usually struggle against. No matter what, they seem to have exercised that. Um, you, you know, the the Cardinals should start to look at this and think, 
maybe we are trying to be too complex of which as a few people who who we know would also say yeah that's a very cliff kingsbury thing to do is to complicate things too much but you know maybe just take a step back and start doing the simple things right because every time they do that it succeeds yeah, absolutely. Steve, a word on the Rams from you, mate. You were nodding along when I said it was probably one of the worst defences of a Super Bowl in memory. Is this just a fact now, though, that the strategy that they employed in terms of putting all the chips in the middle, trading away whatever draft capital that they had um, to go and acquire the assets to go and deliver that Super Bowl, you know, is this the price now that they're ultimately paying for it? Because if you look at, you know, what was actually out on the field on Sunday. You know, Cam Akers looked for all the world as though he was going to be shown the door. Um, he's now, you know, back getting some carries but not producing anything. Daryl Henderson has, has not done anything really whilst he's been there. The Alan Robinson trade has got to be, what, or sorry, free agency pickup has got to be one of the most disappointing moves of the off-season in terms of how that has played out. Um, the offensive line is just an absolute mess, isn't it? And they lost another one or two players, I believe, to injuries this year, uh, this year, this week. Um, yeah, which just add to the the losses that they've had. Um, and obviously on the defense, yes, they have a star at every level of the defense, but outside of those star names, there's just a lot of you know very very average talent there. Is this like I say a case of now? the Rams are probably going to be like this for a couple of years in terms of needing to rebuild and restock, retool, because the cupboard is really bare. It, it was always going to come back to roost. Eventually it had to, because if you're not filling your roster with young talent every year and recycling to get your roster younger, eventually it will catch up with you. You know, the offensive line was aging. They obviously brought... Whitworth back and he won his Super Bowl and he and he rode off into the proverbial sunset. They miss him big time. I know that offensive line has got injuries. Nortbroom's on IR. David Edwards is on IR. Um, they've got, uh, you know, they're missing some key pieces on the offensive line and that affects teams. Like, you lose a, you lose a left tackle. That's a big, big loss. You know, that's that's covering your, your QB's blind side. That's arguably one of the most important positions in football outside of the QB. If that guy goes down, that's a big loss and a big gap to plug. So I don't think you can quite overstate how important some injuries to some positions are. But then also you look at the other side of the ball and you look at some of their skilled players, like you were saying, Aaron Donald, then Floyd, Bobby Wagner, um, no, Jalen Ramsey. Some of these players, when they're not playing particularly well, not showing these highlight reels, the Rams won't win games. Like Jalen Ramsey this season has been relatively quiet. Like he's not up there on all of the stat sheets. He's not, you know, he's not getting the highlight players on, on the social media pages and all that sort of stuff. And when these types of players aren't getting these these highlight reels. It shows you that they're not making big splashes and big plays. Um, and that's what they're suffering from. Last year, everything clicked into place. I think for any Super Bowl winning team, that happens. Everything tricks into, uh, clicks into place. You don't get much injuries. You get luck with your with um, your free agents that you pick up and you hit on free agents. You get a good schedule. You win some coin flip games. Like A lot of things have to fall into place for you to win a Super Bowl. I think that finally happened for the Rams last year, but there's just so many things that are going wrong right now. Alan Robinson's the top of the depth chart. Matt Stafford is questionable at best, and is, is just, uh, will he ever go back to what he was doing last year? I, I, I doubt it, given how old he is. Um, you know, they just don't look the same team. Now they're, they're down Cooper Cup as well for, for four weeks. He's going on IR. So I don't know where this Los Angeles team goes from here. I think 
they are bound to have a year out. But the problem is, is they don't even own their own first round pick because why would they? Because they always trade it away. And the owners of their first round pick, the Detroit Lions, the that pick that they get from the Rams is actually currently higher than Detroit's own first round pick, which is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, tough times out there, but it just shows you how difficult it is to repeat um, when you're when you're a Super Bowl winner. But just one quick word on Arizona: really sad to see Zach Ertz go down um, a really serious knee injury. Wouldn't be surprised if he's torn an ACL. He went down pretty hard and was was in tears on the car on his way off. So not something you like to see. No, definitely not. Definitely not in uh, you know the age of his career. Um, you know, hopefully he can come back. Um, Jacksonville 17, Kansas City 27. The Chiefs seemingly don't have any problems repeating and restructuring their roster. Um, Patrick Mahomes continues, for my money at least, to look the premier player at the position by some way. Um, you know, another four touchdown day in this one. Even Kadarius Tony finding the end zone. Um, as obviously that trade starts to pay a little bit of dividends. Um, MVX also fell this scantling with his first touchdown. As a chief, um, Jags kept it relatively punchy towards the the back end, um, you know. And I think overall, I think we're all encouraged by what the future holds for the Jags in terms of you know under Doug Pedersen's tutelage. Um, I the did. More positive times will be ahead. I did love the um, the onside kick with the opening play of the game. That was phenomenal. Oh yeah, I love that move. Like you, you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, you're probably going to lose. Try some things. Love it. If I love that sort of thing, like why not? Why not just go for it? Great. Great stuff. Yeah, no, completely, completely agree. Um, the um, the next game I want to go to, fellas, I'm just scrolling through my screen, is the LA Chargers 16, the San Francisco 49ers 22. Um, I think that the 49ers look as though they're just primed to actually get a hold of this NFC West and actually make it their own. Um, the Chargers continue to seemingly have to play through multiple different injuries. You know, the wide receiver position again, no Keenan Allen, no Mike Williams. Yeah, but Justin Herbert, I don't know whether this is a coaching thing, whether it's just a little bit of regression or or teams sort of, you know, now got plenty of tape on Justin Herbert. Yeah, but you would never have seen a stat line of 21 of 35 for just 196 yards from Justin Herbert previously. All the throws seem to be relatively safe and secure. You know, not many of them are going further than you know than the than the stick, so to speak. Um, I think I saw today that the Chargers' longest touchdown on the season is only something like twenty-one yards, which just goes to show they're not having big explosive plays. And this has been a staple for Justin Herbert in his couple of years in the league, hasn't it? So. If you're sitting there as a Chargers fan at the moment, and there's a lot of hype that always seemingly surrounds this Chargers team as one that's going to burst out of the pack, how concerned would you be, Steve? Because, like I say, for me, this has been now a bit of a trend over the course of this season. It's not just been the last couple of weeks. It's it's really been a bit of a shift this whole year for me that I've seen from Herbert. It feels like he's being held back a bit. It feels like he's better than this. Um, and the offense is not playing to his strengths. So I, you know, could Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, be under a bit of pressure? Um, you know, could could um, could there be a bit of a change if they don't do as well as they uh, as there's, they should be doing? But also, I think they do miss some players. They are, I think, they are probably the most banged up 
team in the league. Um, I think they really miss Mike Williams, and that's obvious. With like you say, those big splash plays downfield are just not happening. Um, you know, Justin Herbert six for six, and he's got a cannon of an arm. You know, he's probably got one of the biggest arms in the league. And when he's not creating these big fifty-yard-plus plays, then you've got to be wondering then what's this? What's this offense actually doing? But what's what's most alarming for the Chargers at the moment? They stand at five and four, they're second in their division. But you look at their schedule for the next few weeks: the Chiefs, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Colts, the Rams, the Broncos. So you'd argue those last four are probably very winnable. Um, but those next four are, are, are pretty tough, probably aside from the Raiders. So. They've got to start amassing some wins because this AFC is, is going to be tough to get out of, um, as you guys well know. So, it's it, you know, um, I think they, they, they're going to be in a pretty tough game next week on uh, uh, on the late slate against uh, against the Chiefs. Yeah, like I say, it is a bit of a trend. You know, his, his whole passing numbers, you know, his, his yards per attempt was seven and a half last year, 7.3 as a rookie. They're all the way down at 6.3 this year. Um, you know, so that they really has been a regression. He's averaging around about 25 yards less per game. His QBR rating, um, I'm oh, sorry, his quarterback rating, use the official NFL one, down a full um, 10 points on where it has been the last two seasons. So it, it does seem as though it's been a little bit of a drop-off. In terms of the 49ers, though, Josh, obviously there was a lot of um, hype, if you like, surrounding the Christian McCaffrey trade. On the... Um, I need to get out of touch this week by Elijah Mitchell, which of course we all expected to see, but Elijah Mitchell back in the lineup, 18 carries for 89 yards. Um, you know, but this is just typical Carl Shanahan offense, wasn't it? Yeah, it's classic misdirection and deception. It's something of which he's known for, and it's something that works. Uh San Francisco's offense is just based on depth. And when you've got depth for good positions and they were able to do above average, then that's all you need. You know, San Francisco are seemingly the masters of doing very little explosively, but still getting out of games with wins, even against good teams. And that's exactly what's happening here. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo only had to, for, had to make 19 completed passes to win this game. Um, but there was... What what is that? That looks like it is over thirty rushing attempts. Um, you know, the highest receiver was eighty-four yards. It was Brandon Ayuk. You know, this is a very efficient offense that does what it needs to, and it relies on its defense, which is able to do a hell of a lot for them. So, you know, the 49ers are very happy to rest on those laurels, but also rest on their talent and trust that together as a team they can get through. And it's definitely showing itself there. Just to quickly jump back on the uh, on the Herbert conversation there, I am wondering as to whether or not that rib injury is a continuous concern for him because he is playing a hell of a lot. Still, I, he never really got checked out. I don't think it was really ever addressed. Uh, it doesn't seem to be spoken about all that much, of which when I think about players that have been playing with injuries in other positions, it seems to be all that they've spoken about. Whereas with Herbert, it doesn't seem to have been spoken about at all after the, after the two weeks. I think after they beat the Browns, um, it was very much a case of, oh, okay, business as usual, the Chargers are back on it. And, you know, as much as there is quite possibly a regression you know we we have seen this before where you know injuries could be seen to be covering up performance gaps but you know when you've when you've got the when when you've got a team of which is scrambling for answers anyway 
um, you know, are they just desperate to get whoever out onto the field to be able to try and put up some sort of fight? Should the Chargers perhaps start looking towards next year already? Because like you say, it's a stacked AFC um, still in terms of talent anyway. And when you look at the teams that are, you know, potential for wild card, let's face it, the Chargers are not winning the AFC West. Um, it would be very, very difficult for them to upset the Chiefs at this point. So they would have to get one of the free wildcard spots. When you look at the AFC East now, you've got to assume that at least one, if not two, are going that direction. And then that leaves one going elsewhere. They they might be able to grab that one. Um, it might go to the Bengals, for example, over in the AFC North. But how much are you putting into that considering your injury luck already? Is it perhaps better to start thinking about next year? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think we'll certainly start to look at the playoff picture in a bit more depth once we do get through next week in particular. You know, I jokingly said the season starts after Thanksgiving and, you know, that's really when the uh, the contenders and the pretenders start to separate themselves. It, it's still all to play for at this moment in time, but like you say, it could look very different in a couple of weeks. Some really tough games on that schedule, um, you know, and certainly some question marks being asked about Brandon Staley, which weren't uh, which weren't there last year. Let's put it that way. So you know, he'll certainly want to make sure that he gets as many wins on the board as he can. Um, a team that's got more wins on the board than anyone would have given them credit for. The New York Giants improved to seven and two. 24 to 16 over the Houston Texans, who are still just with that one win. Um, no surprise here. Saquon Barkley carrying the load quite literally. 35 rushing attempts for Saquon in this one, um, compared to just 17 passing attempts for Daniel Jones. Um, I think, as much as it's a little bit of a Cinderella story, I think we all know the way that this will go if and when the Giants do get to the playoffs um, against you know some really quality opposition. Um, you know, but obviously great for them while it's lasting. Um, and the Texans seemingly stuck in yet another losing season. Um, Miami 39, Cleveland 17, routine victory for Miami um, and done majority of this damage on the ground. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moster both averaging over seven yards a carry as the Cleveland defense has more holes than a good sieve. Um, and, yeah, Miami absolutely breezed to victory in this one. All of a sudden, Miami top of the um, AFC – sorry, not top of the AFC East, but certainly above Buffalo. I'm deliberately leaving that game until the end, fellas, because I think it deserves to come at the end of the podcast. But Miami looking good, certainly for the playoffs. Um, and as you said earlier, Josh, I think a couple of teams in that division, certainly as things stand at the moment, looking very, very cosy. Um, another team looking good in terms of the playoffs, and that will be through another divisional win in all likelihood, is the Tennessee Titans, 17 to 10 of the Denver Broncos. Um, I'm just absolutely running out of things to say about how inept this Broncos offense is. The defense must be absolutely livid because, yet again, you know, it holds up its end of the bargain. But Steve, this is this is Russell Wilson's stat line from the weekend: twenty-one of forty-two, so it's a fifty percent completion rate. Sacked six times, a rating of just seventy. The two running backs, Melvin Gordon, Latavius Murray, both of them were just twenty-four yards rushing on a combined sixteen attempts. 
you know, best receiver on the day was Cortland Sutton with 66 yards from six receptions. I mean, this has been, along with the Raiders, and they both happen to be in the same division, got to be up there with the biggest disappointments for this season. Um, you know, and after winning in London and having a bye week, you know, you thought maybe they'd get a few things worked out, but this was just another absolutely inept showing, wasn't it? This is a team that needs to be thinking about next year. And there's some big questions to ask when, you know, they came into this season with the new pieces all there. They've got Russell Wilson finally out of Seattle. Uh, they've got a new head coach in Nathaniel Hackett, who was meant to be the Aaron Rodgers whisperer. Um, you know, and, and a really good roster, let's be honest. I think this Denver this Denver roster was one of the very few in the NFL where it was a, a quarterback away from being competitive. And how wrong were we all? Um, I know they've had a few injuries. I think Tim Patrick has been a big loss. I say it every week. Um, I think they really, really miss him. Um, obviously, he went down before the season even started. Um, but they, they just look so... I, I don't even know. Like they just look so dysfunctional, and just like there's no chemistry. Like it's like they're playing together for the first time. Russ and some of these receivers, like it's just not working. Um, and Russ being sacked six times, I think this is just something we're going to have to get used to. The fact that Russ is not his old agile, sort of elusive self anymore, and, and, and he does just get taken down. Um, and I, I think I think when it gets to you know you look across the AFC West to the to the Raiders, who are also really, really disappointing this season. You know, they both went out there and made big splash trades to try and challenge in the division and both got a new head coach in and neither head coach is working at all. They've both missed on head coaches. And it makes you wonder how much longer they're going to get because I think the Hackett experiment is definitely failing. They're three and six and, and there's been a couple of those games where they probably should have lost as well. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely not winning the division and with the way the AFC is, there's already... Outside of the top four divisional leaders, like Josh was just saying, there's four or five that are vying for those wildcard spots. So unless Denver goes on a, on a seven-game win streak, which they've not shown anyone that they can do this season, um, they're not getting the playoffs. So it's uh, it's interesting for Denver. They do have a um, a draft pick. They got one back from San Francisco, for uh, which was the Miami one from the whole Bradley Chubb trade. So they do have a draft pick in the first round after they traded theirs out to Seattle. So maybe they can pick someone up. But yeah, this uh, this Broncos team is definitely not what I thought it would be. And it does make you wonder, you know, do the Broncos regret tying Russell Wilson down to that monster contract they did in the offseason? Yeah, I think the answer to that one is a big fat yes. Um, but like you say, they'll stick with Russ because the contract will dictate it. I will be amazed if Nathaniel Hackett makes year two. I really, really will. Um, talking of Seattle, that's obviously Russell Wilson's old team and they played the first ever game in Munich. And I've got to say, Josh is someone who follows a bit of German sport. Munich put on one hell of a show, mate. Yeah, that was always going to be the case. I mean, Germany's even more fanatical about this game than the Brits are. And, you know, that definitely came to show um, just with it. I mean, it felt like the first game at Wembley, but on steroids because of just how long they've been waiting for it. They've obviously been part of the Wembley games and the London games in Germany because they all come down. You know, I, I find that at least a third of the stadium is filled with Germans and Austrians. Um, you know, the European League of Football has been kicking off as well. So there, there was such a... 
there was such a positive vibe around it and it, it translated to the screen you know you could see just from sitting here in your house in england just how just how grateful they were to have a game over there and it was a it was an interesting enough game as well to keep them ticking over it wasn't um it wasn't a blowout by any means it um you know seattle kept it interesting in the end but um you know germany are definitely not disappointed and by the looks of it they're potentially getting two games next season um there's already been some rumors that both munich and frankfurt are going to get a game next year of which would definitely be interesting and apparently the chiefs are definitely hidden to germany next year uh billboards were seen of um of chiefs players outside munich airport uh, so that tells you all you need to know. Apparently, they are not being secretive about it. So it looks like the NFL train is running right through Germany. And long way it continue. Didn't they say something like 700,000 people tried to get tickets for the game? And you know, yeah. that just shows how popular it is in Germany. Yeah, no, most yeah. definitely. Like you say, it was it was very, very well received. Um, you know, and, and as you say... The thing is, we're so connected now as a world, aren't we? You know, there was plenty of people from Britain that went over there. You know, my Twitter timeline was full of people that had made a weekend of it. You know, and as you alluded to, just the same as European visitors come over here when the games are in in London. You know, it's it's obviously so much easier to just get on a flight and, and nip around Europe compared to obviously travelling across the pond, as we've talked about previously. Um, in terms of the picture of the game, you know, the Bucks have, you know, by hook or by crook, found a way to get a couple of wins on the board after the season looked as though it was sort of really running into a huge roadblock. They certainly still have an awful lot of things that they need to work out, and I don't think anybody's going to be particularly scared in, in terms of what they're sort of potentially bringing to the playoffs at this moment in time, apart from the fact that it is Tom Brady and he always seems to find a way, so never, ever write him out. In terms of the Seahawks, they've obviously been a real good story and a bit of a surprise package, a little bit of a, a down week for them. Um, you know, I don't think it's any surprise that when Kenneth Walker was slowed down, you know, to the tune of 10 carries for 17 yards, um, you know, that that sort of disrupted the balance of their offence. And obviously, although in the end the scoreline was relatively competitive, they were playing from behind for most of the game. Um, and I've got to say, without you know, glossing over it too much, what a brilliant pass attempt from Leonard Fournette to Tom Brady. <laughs> you can see why Tom Brady's played quarterback and not wide receiver all these years. Going, so that was uh, that was pretty hilarious. Topped off with a nice tripping penalty on Brady as well. So yeah, it was um, all good fun. I think we've covered all of the games from Sunday outside of the two that went to overtime, which I think we'll like I say leave till the end. So that brings us to Monday Night Football. Um, and probably the biggest surprise of the week. I don't want to sort of obviously, you know, go into it in too much more depth than that, Steve. You, you've obviously watched it more than, than we have. I've certainly watched the highlights from it this morning. Um, but Washington are the team that derailed the perfect start to the season. Philadelphia managed eight wins on the bounce. Um, you know, we'd started to talk about the potential of a win, you know, a full winning season. You, to be fair, had always said you'd expect them to lose a couple of games potentially along the way. Um, but I certainly don't think going into last night, anybody really thought that this one would be one that would cause the issue. Uh, but the commanders get the job done, mate. 32 points to 21 in the end. Yeah, real frustrating game. Really frustrating game. From from the get-go, it was one of those bonkers games. It was just all over the place. Um, the, it started well and then the Eagles just stopped playing for the second and third quarters. But not because... Not necessarily because they 
couldn't, but because the offense just couldn't get on the field, Washington found the uh, found the the magic elixir to, to quell this Eagles team. And that's not about the offense on the field. Their time of possession towards the end of the first half was something like twenty three minutes to seven in favor of Washington's offense. They just had three really long, sustained drives where they just kept running the ball, run, 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 pick up four or five yards every single run, and they were just getting first downs, and the Eagles just had no answer to it. Um, they were converting on third, third downs. At, at one point, they were 12 or 15 on third down, which is insane, considering they were 34% before the game began. Um, it was just a strange game. Um, I really did think the Eagles were going to come back because in the second half, they made some adjustments. And the defense started to make some plays. The, the, the CJGJ um, interception again. He's got six on the season now, five in a row. Uh, what a player he is! Um, and it looked like the uh, the momentum was shifting, and just they just can't they couldn't stop turning the ball over, which is so uncharacteristic of the Eagles this year. Um, the fifty yard bomb to uh, to Quez Watkins was a monster throw. The other thing is Jalen Hurst didn't have a bad game. I thought Jalen Hurst actually played quite well. I don't think he really did that much wrong. There was just a few things that that happened um, in other areas of the game that led to them losing. Um, so the Quez Watkins fumble was frustrating, but the biggest frustration for me, I don't like to pin it on individual moments. I certainly don't like to blame the referees because I think it's a bit of a cop-out. You've got, you know, you're playing for 60 minutes. It's difficult to blame the referees, but the blatant um, face mask on Dallas Goddard, which brought him down, which caused him to fumble the ball, which turned it over. It now turns out that Dallas Goddard's got a sort of shoulder injury. It sounds like he's going to be going on IR. So not only does the face mask not get called, the Eagles lose the ball from a turnover that's caused by the face mask. And now Dallas Goddard is going to go on IR, one of the best tight ends in the NFL this season. That's that's a punch in the nuts, that is, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, so yeah, real frustrating game. Also, the the personal foul on Taylor Heineke at the end there. What is that about? Brandon Graham, He, I think... In the end, if you're running around in the quarterback in, in, your, in the pocket and you break the pocket and then you realise nothing's on, so you take a knee to keep the clock going, but you take a knee, you have to be aware that you're making pass rushers come at you. You are inviting the pressure. You've invited that pressure on yourself. So if you suddenly take a knee, you can't expect pass rushers to suddenly stop. They can't shift that momentum. And so Brandon Graham, who's on his knees, by the way, sort of slides into him, hits him. You know, pretty hard, but certainly no different to any other normal pass rusher. Heineke flops over, makes a big song and dance about it, and then gets up and celebrates. I think celebrating a, a, a personal foul like that's pretty disgusting, to be honest. But it is what it is. I don't want to make excuses. The Eagles weren't the, weren't the best team on the day. Um, but in a way, I'm sort of glad that they've lost, in a way, because I think they had to lose at some point. I think that it's good that they've got a loss out of the way. And now it's about how do they bounce back from that? They've got a trip to Indianapolis next week. How do they bounce back? Yeah, you have, to be fair, been consistent with that throughout the season that you thought that this would come. And like you say, it's good to go through a little bit of adversity to to overcome it. Like I say, the first time you, you get some adversity, you don't need to be in the playoffs and then have no experience of how you actually deal right. with it. Um, exactly. Completely completely agree that I thought the, the Heineke celebration was just bang out of order. And I was convinced that, to be honest, they were going to throw an offsetting flag on that one because, you know, there's so much talk about taunting. You know, and, and when players score touchdowns and they celebrate, you want them to express that joy and, you know, celebrate with the crowd and, and all of that kind of stuff. You know, this was, was sort of blatant. It was really sort of almost in the defensive lineman's face as well, wasn't it? As if to as if to really rub salt in the wound. So, yeah, a couple of really questionable calls. 
Um, like you say, when when somebody dominates the ball to the tune of it, ended up forty minutes to twenty near enough. Um, like you say, it's difficult for the um, for the team with such little time of possession um, to, to sort of get the uh, the right side of the result, isn't it? So Washington improved to five and five. The Eagles dropped their first one of the season, still eight and one though, and obviously still top of the NFC East. The final two games, as I've mentioned, fellas, I've left them deliberately till the end because they're both the games that went to overtime. Um, Got to say, thoroughly enjoyed the one in the late window um, after the the joy of the early window. We will definitely leave that one until last. But I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys 28, the Green Bay Packers 31. Green Bay have shown very, very little to get excited about. They've shown very little in terms of giving you any reason to believe that when the score in this one was heavily in the favour of the Cowboys, that Green Bay could get back into this game. You know, we said, didn't we, in their defeat to the Lions last week, that it never felt as though Aaron Rodgers was going to figure out a way to score. It just felt different in this one for whatever reason. Um, and ultimately, there was two Green Bay drives in the second half of 76 yards and 89 yards. Um, to ultimately close the game back up and then the defence coming up and making plays. So much talk has been about who's going to actually catch the ball, doesn't it, for the Packers. And this was the day that Christian Watson actually stepped up, you know, three touchdowns on the day. He's had a much maligned season, Josh, you know, but this was good to see from his perspective. Um, It was good to see Aaron Jones heavily involved, you know, as much as Aaron Rodgers has been the... You know, the main man for Green Bay for so long. We've said often this season they've seemingly played well and seemingly been on the right end of results when Aaron Jones has been a heavy part of the game plan. They went back to that this week, um, you know, and ultimately ended up on the right side of things, mate. Yeah, exactly. And it was definitely not pretty. Um, I think that realistically the packers still def- still looked the uh, still looked the poor man between the two teams up until right towards the end but it's about having that grit that determination to be able to make those clutch plays and the packers for whatever reason were able to do that this week christian watson needed a game he really did um you know for the amount of you know all, all this season it's You've seen him come just short, and I think that that's going to do his confidence the world of good. Um, you know, like you say, but actually having a game plan where Aaron Jones is the featured player and being able to actually break through um, that Dallas line definitely helped. Um, I mean, let, let's not get it twisted. This was a very run-heavy game for the Packers. Um, you know, I'm looking here at 36, 37 run plays. Um, Aaron Jones for 138 yards, and Aaron Rodgers only completed 14 passes. Um, it's just that Christian Watson was the guy who was there when it was needed. And, you, you know, that's all you ask for in the NFL. We've said quite a lot over the last, well, I say over the last uh, couple of months. I've not been here the last couple of months, but previously when I've been on, um, we've said about how the NFL is a game of, you know, a game of moments, a game of chances. Um, you can be you can be mediocre for a lot of the game, but if you execute in the red zone, for example, if you execute on like two to three drives and hold off, 
to the other end, then you've got a good chance. Christian Watson had four catches, three of them were touchdowns, and he had over 100 yards. You know, that's a good game in the NFL, um, no matter which way that you take it. And if he can just take that confidence on now, and, you know, Rodgers needs people he can trust at the moment. You can tell that he's a quarterback that doesn't trust the guys out there. A game like that's going to help, and that's going to help drive the Packers on if they've got any chance of doing of grabbing a wild card spot this year. I was going to say to have any chance of um, of doing of doing more than that, but considering the uh, the Vikings, that I think the Packers would have to settle for a wild card if they can get there. And uh, yeah. yeah, he's going to have to trust those guys, but also just keep it on the floor a lot as well. If if you can have a day like that on the ground then the Packers won't have a lot to worry about down the stretch. It's the fact that they've tried too much to give it to Aaron Rodgers to look, to win, and yeah. it's not been there. But this is about effective execution, and that's what they did on Sunday. Yeah, I think last week, Steve, we were commenting on the fact that Rodgers had thrown the ball to 11 different Packers. You know, this week, just three different wide receivers seeing targets and a catch apiece to the two tight ends. You know, much more simplified game plan, obviously got the job done. Let's have a quick talk, though, about Dallas, because I think we've covered off the Packers and what it means to them. In, in terms of Dallas, um, C.D. Lamb had a monster of a day himself, 11 receptions, 150 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Um, Tony Pollard taking the load with Ezekiel, and not going in this one, 22 for 115. I think they're relatively comfortable with what they're getting from Tony Pollard. Is this a game that the, the you know the Cowboys will just look at and say, well, you know, that's just one that's gone away. I don't think there's anything too much to to overreact to here. Um, or, you know, again, because of how competitive that division is, we've already talked about the Eagles and the Giants both ahead of them in the standings. Is this a game that they'll look back and ruin in a few weeks' time with how tight it might get in that wild card race? I think the latter. I really do. Like, especially if you look at the situational of this of this game, like Josh was saying, like the, you know, NFL games are won on margins, they're won on moments, on, on on individual players and such. And if you think end of the third quarter, Dallas are up 28-14, you think going into the fourth quarter, that's a pretty insurmountable lead and you should be tying that off. And I read somewhere that if in 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 seasons gone by, going into the fourth quarter when Dallas has been leading by I think a touchdown or more. They were 159 and all going into this week. And that streak was finally snapped this week. And it's just that that's not good enough from a defense that's been pretty good so far this year. It's not good enough to let them back into the game. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't want to sort of, sort of put him down too much, but I think Dak's just not quite there this season. And obviously he had the early injury and I think he's probably still recovering from that and still trying to get his sort of rhythm in the, in, in the season because he's, he's about six weeks behind schedule because of the... Um, time he missed but Dak's just not quite there you know his, his stat lines doesn't make for great reading three touchdowns two interceptions two sacks had a a, a rating of 78 like wasn't wasn't incredible but not awful like you know his the Dak of the Dak of years gone by has been much much better than that um but I think really this game was lost on the defensive side of the ball I think the Dallas defense just just didn't quite show up um and I think, yeah, this will be one they'll come to root because in their division, they've already lost a tie, one tiebreaker against Philadelphia. So if Philly does lose again or if they get back to, to matching records, they've lost a tiebreaker against Philly. They're one game back from New York and they play New York soon. That's going to be a big game. That's, I think, a Sunday night football week after next, I think. Um, so that's going to be a huge test. And I think whoever 
comes out of that game victorious will be the one that's going to be vying Philly for the NFC East title. Um, so yeah, I think this really will be a game that they're going to look back and, and, and rue. I think missing Zeke, just that two-headed monster that they've got with Zeke and, and Pollard, they, they probably missed that. Um, but yeah, just one one quick last word on Green Bay. Like we, we talked last week, like you said about you know Rogers having to throw the ball all over, all over and spread it on the field. You look at this. Green Bay offense and the skill players. It's actually not a bad offense. Now, if you assume that Christian Watson's going to become a solid, skillful receiver, you've got Watson and Lazard as receivers. You've got Robert Tonyan as a tight end. You've got Jones and Dylan as the running back, but also can catch the ball out of the backfield. And Aaron Rodgers with the rock in his hand. That's a pretty good offense, really, when you write it down on paper. So, you know, they they should take this and run with it. Like this is the if the Green Bay want to get back into it, this was their this was their moment. This was their right. We've got this win. Now we keep going. Now we keep going. Yep. It will be interesting to see if they can kick on because, like you say, it's been a, a real struggle and really strange to see them actually on the back end of defeat after defeat after defeat. We're just obviously so not used to seeing it, are we? So, yeah, can they kick on and make that late wildcard run? Josh, though, you teed it up lovely. They're going to struggle in the division because the Minnesota Vikings improve their own personal record to 8-1 and one now. And there's always recency bias, fellas. So I'm not going to buy into this is the best, you know, sort of regular season game ever, as was all the Hyper Bowl coming out of it on Sunday. Um, but I certainly think it's up there in terms of the best game we've had this season. I don't think there's any doubt about that in terms of the late drama and the late tension that was involved. But stop me when you've heard this before, fellas. The Vikings got up early in the game. The Vikings then disappear and go behind big in the game. The Vikings then find a way to come back and ultimately win the game. Um, just an incredible fourth quarter in terms of how it panned out. You know, the last 41 seconds of game time felt like around about 25 minutes of actual time. There was so much going on, so many reviews of spots of the ball and recoveries of the ball and God knows whatever else. It obviously all culminates in a Greg Joseph, Greg Joseph 33-yard field goal that proves to be the winner in overtime as on the um, the drive where you know the Bills are trying to respond. Patrick Peterson takes his second interception of the day to ice the game away. But Josh... Just a phenomenal game, wasn't it, mate? In terms of certainly in terms of the way that it ended, and you know some of the individual plays. You know, we'll talk about some of the individual plays because I think they deserve some some talk. But just what a game! What an advert for the league this was. Yeah, how enjoyable was that game actually? And also, what a way for the game to be ended as well. You know, you know, this is. I, I can't even explain as to. At first, first of all, just the general shock of it all, you know, this was not in the script. You know, the Vikings have been on a hype, but all we've heard from people is, you know, it's still the Vikings. They've still only played such and such, and they've only played, but there's no easy game in the NFL. The Vikings have done incredibly well when it's come to just just winning. And they've proven that again today. They've found another way to win. And when you look at everything... Realistically, the Vikings the Vikings deserved this. You, you know, Josh Allen might be dealing with an injury right now. You know, he he still completed twenty nine or forty three for three thirty. You, you know, not great stats for him when you consider that he had two picks and one touchdown. 
But, you know, those are still good quarterback numbers. Um, they couldn't get anything on the ground, though, at all. Josh Allen was their leading rusher. Shows that the Vikings have got, uh, have got Moxie up front. That's what they've shown previously. This is where the Vikings prove themselves by being able to take out the run. Um, you, you know, still fantastic performances for the for the Bills around. You know, Stefan Diggs, that one catch from Diggs, um, you know, was out, was out of this world. The uh, the single arm grab, which he's been able to pull in. You know, that was it, it's one of the few I've been able to actually see. Uh, whilst being away this weekend but it's one of which I, I you know i leapt out of my chair when i saw it that's the sort of stuff that you want to see on an nfl level this coming from two two teams that are cooking right now um you know on the viking side as well kirk cousins is having a transformative year you know no one's currently laughing at kirk cousins and you know it's i've i've silently been on the kirk cousins train for for a couple of years just because i find him to be an efficient passer and you know it's not it's not the best reading i think he was 60 percent throwing 350 yards he himself also threw a couple of picks um but if you can combine his connection with justin jefferson to the running game of dalvin cook you know he got 120 yards then you're going to be in games. And if you're in games against the Bills, and if your defense can make the stands of which it did as well, then, you know, it just creates an epic matchup. And that's what we got. Yeah, we most certainly did. And I talked about the sort of end to this game and how bonkers it was. Steve, he just talked about Justin Jefferson, and I think this is the appropriate time to bring you in. So I think... You um, you were very quick on the WhatsApp chat on Sunday nights with something along the lines of what a bleeping catch that was. Um, ultimately, this game doesn't even get to the point of people trying to sneak out the end zone, sneak in the end zone. If that fourth and 18 doesn't get converted and, you know, I've, I've said this on a podcast that I've recorded earlier tonight as part of the full 10 yards network. Um, Justin Jefferson often isn't open. Or he certainly doesn't look as though he's open. And it might be a little bit of poor quarterback play that Kirk Cousins throws it anyway, but it also might just be a fact that he actually just trusts the fact that Justin Jefferson is better than many cornerbacks in this league. And that throw on 4th and 18 into very good coverage, a one-hander, you know, I mean, everybody raves about the RBJ catch nearly a decade on, don't they? This probably was better wasn't it mate let's be honest it was disgusting it was such a good catch i can't you can, like listening to us talk about it, it does not do it justice if you haven't seen it yet just search for justin jefferson's catch at the weekend it was stunning the the body control and the athleticism to go up and get it one-handed and bring it down and complete the catching motion is just phenomenal. There's you run out of words to describe this guy, and it's more painful for me as my team passed on him famously in the draft and went for the aforementioned Jalen Rager. Um, but he's just such a talent, and I think that when he was drafted, there was that year of the Judy um, uh, and, and that year of the, there was three receivers that went before him, and then he was taken after Rager consequently um and I, you, the, all the teams just missed him they all missed him because i think in that lsu offense he was often overshadowed by jamar chase who obviously is just as good 
Um, but he's proving now that he's so reliable in every area of the field. He's not just a slot guy. He's not just a Y or an X. He can just do everything. He's got the speed. He's got the 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 um, north-south running ability. He can get down the field quick. He can also run the short routes and get the quick yardage. Like he, The contested catchability of him is phenomenal. He can go up and get the ball. Like that's what, And I think that's what they're probably scheming him open. I think that's, that's what they're trying to do with with him because they know he's going to try the best cornerback in the in the in the team of the opposing defense. You know he's going to be getting the the Jalen Ramseys, the Darius Slays, you know those types of guys. And they're just saying, okay, well let's put it up in the air where the cornerback's not really going to make a play on the ball, and let's just see if if Jefferson can come down with it. And nine times out of ten at the moment he is. He's just such a phenomenal player to watch. And Kirk Cousins' improvement this year again, like you said, Josh is is impressive but i think one one person that is not getting enough respect at the moment and needs more is kevin o'connell i think he has to be a shoe in for coach of the year like he's the what he's done with his vikings team when they were on the brink of being just mediocre like this year for the vikings would have been easy for them to go down the route of las vegas or denver or or just the mediocrity but they haven't they're phenomenal they're quietly eight and one you look at their schedule for the rest of the year you know, they've got Dallas next week, and then they've got games against New England, you know, the New York Jets, Detroit, Indy, and then they go to the David Horse, the Giants, uh, before finishing with two divisional games against Green Bay and Chicago. Like they could feasibly win six or seven of those. Six of out of um sorry, six or seven of those eight. Like and that takes them to two losses or maybe even three losses. Like that's a phenomenal season for the Vikings. I think in the next few weeks they can get a couple more wins, they'll probably wrap up that division. And then you look to the end. But the, the problem is, and we've all know it, and it's it's long fabled, is that Kirk Cousins cannot play in primetime. It's always been his Achilles heel. So if he has to play in a primetime divisional game at home, can he handle it? And that, you know, some people laugh at that, but he's proved it time and time again in his career that he can't handle the primetime under the lights. So will that be his downfall? Can we move the playoff games to 1 p.m. on Sundays? <laughs> Just for the Vikings. <laughs> just to make things fair <laughs> to be fair since the introduction of Super Wildcard Weekend we have had one at one o'clock on a Sunday haven't we every week so maybe the Vikings will uh, start a petition so that they get that one but um, now phenomenal game um, you know in the grand scheme of things you know it really really does cement the Vikings place in terms of you know from the NFC North and their postseason aspirations for the Bills. It worryingly drops them actually down to third place, ironically, in the AFC East. Um, quite phenomenal, really, considering everybody had them as the number one team in football a few weeks ago. Um, all of a sudden, they have some work to do. They will start to do that work in week 11, as will the rest of the NFL, as things get back underway again Thursday night. Thursday night's actually got a tasty-looking match for a change after a few stinkers in recent weeks. Packers against the Titans, so can Green Bay continue, um, you know, the good work that they put out this weekend to try and make a wild card run. The Titans obviously looking to shore up their place at the head of that AFC South. Big games in the early window, probably highlighted by the Patriots and Jets in that ever so tight AFC East. Um, in terms of the late window, um, we have the Vikings and the Cowboys as probably the game of the late window. Sunday night football has been flexed. It was originally um, going to be the Steelers and Bengals. It's now the Chargers and Chiefs, which I think makes a lot of sense in terms of where those respective games lie. And then Monday night football next week is the 49ers and the Cardinals. 
And then we'll be into Thanksgiving, fellas. It's really rolling around pretty quickly, isn't it? Um, but certainly the uh, the conference standings, the divisional standings, starting to take shape now. And as we say, the next few weeks, we'll really start to get a clear idea of who are likely to be the contenders come January and February. It's been great to have the regular crew back together for the first time in what feels like forever. We hopefully will be back again. Hopefully we'll be back at the regular Monday slot next week as well, all being well. Um, but family life does sometimes throw things up, so we will wait and see. But we hope to be back with you on Monday when we will review week 11. Until then, my thanks to Josh and to Steve. This has been the NFL podcast from the full 10 yards. 